And so, Lord, we thank you for the privilege to be here this morning to look into your word. Your word is food. Your word is light. Your word is life. Your word brings insight and understanding. I pray that the Spirit of God will guide the words that I speak, that they will bring glory to the Lord Jesus Christ, and that it will be a blessing to everyone that is here. I pray that, Lord, we will be challenged by your word and that our lives will be transformed as we listen to your word. We thank you for the gift of mothers. All of us are here because of mothers. And we thank you for that blessing that you've bestowed on us. Thank you for Jesus Christ, our great Savior. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. All right. Happy Mother's Day to all the mothers. I might forget to say. And happy Sister's Day to all the sisters, ladies. Or happy Ladies' Day so that we cover everybody. All right, so as I was going up and down, somebody told me, I still remember last year, Zipporah. So uh, that was last year, Zipporah. I spoke about the women in Moses' life, I believe. So this year is different. So we'll be in the New Testament. So the challenge is going to be to everyone and uh, it will be centered, uh, there will be Mother's Day element to it. So, I've titled the message, Making Jesus Christ Preeminent. I will say in your life, or making him number one. Not prominent, not present, not just resident, but preeminent. Number one. So lessons from the Bethany family. It's not the Bethany Gospel Hall, but the Bethany family in the Bible. They say Bethany Gospel Hall. Okay. One wrote those two first lines, and then the last line is from the scriptures. It says, only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. And Apostle Paul writes in Philippians chapter 2 verse 20, for me, living means living for Christ. Or in the older translations, we say for me to live is Christ. So I'd like to pause there and then stress it again that only one life will soon be done. That somebody said that as he was heading out on a missionary journey. Only what's done for Christ will last. And Paul writes in Philippians chapter 2, verse 20, for me, living means living for Christ. This is my desire and prayer for me and for you. As we look into the word of God this morning, that that's what living will mean. Life is very brief and very short, and what's done for Christ will last. All right. Um, 
All right, the preeminence. So let's remind ourselves of who Jesus Christ is. This is one of those verses that I believe every believer should have here. Should be a memory verse that you have. So that when you are faced with any challenge in life, you have to remember who Jesus Christ is. So let's read Colossians chapter 1, 15 to 18. He is, that's Jesus Christ, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth. Visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning the firstborn from the dead, that in everything, not just in the things that we do on Sundays, in everything, most of life is lived outside of church on Sundays. In everything, he might have preeminence. So, Colossians 1 verse 15 to 18. So, let's read the newer translation. Christ is the invisible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. He existed before anything else and he holds all creation together. Christ is also the head of the church, which is his body. He's the beginning Supreme over all who rise from the dead. So, he is first in everything. Making Jesus Christ number one. All right, so. All right. I did have a verse for you who is a believer. I don't know where it went. So, but that's what it is there. With that said, I have to engage with you, asking you a few questions. I think I've asked this question before. But if I haven't, I'm asking it now. I did ask it downstairs, and I got all kinds of answers. And when I gave the answer that the Bible says, one of the kids asked, why? I believe as I was going around shaking hands, I saw somebody in our our audience that is called Great today. The name of the person is Great, I believe. So, according to the Bible, who is the greatest person that has ever lived? Now, I'm excluding Jesus Christ from this question. He's the greatest. He has no equal. 
Okay, he has no rival. So let's exclude him. But let's talk every other person. John the Baptist. This is an interesting question that I'm asking because my, my wife was telling me about uh, some sort of prayer meeting that was going on and somebody was making statements like, we don't want our life to be wasted like that of John the Baptist. And I said, you probably have to read the scriptures to understand God's estimation of greatness is different. John the Baptist, as you can tell, he didn't own a house. He had no car. Camels, dress, low cost. Everything that you will say is nothing. That's the man that is termed as the greatest person that has ever lived from the Bible. Why is he the greatest person? The Bible doesn't tell us this, but now you have to tell us why you think he's the greatest person. He introduced Christ to the world. He had only one focus, only one focus, the Lord Jesus Christ. You say, where is he finding this? I hope, you see my slides, I have lots of things in my slides. Sometimes I hide them. So I hope I didn't hide this one. I'm just hoping. Oh, it's not hidden. Good. So this is Jesus speaking in Matthew chapter 11. You can check it out yourself and read the entire thing, but I want to read verse 11. I tell you the truth. Of all who have ever lived, none is greater than John the Baptist. And you have to remember that John the Baptist showed up after we had Elijah, Moses, David, name them, Abraham, all of those men. He showed up in the New Testament after all of those spectacular miracles were performed in the Old Testament. And Jesus looked at him and said, none is greater than John the Baptist of all who ever lived. But he added something which is comfort to my heart. Yet, the least person in the kingdom of heaven, if you are a believer, is greater than he is. It yet, the person you think of as the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he is. All right, let's move on because I have a few more. I just don't want to dwell on this. Good question for you on a Mother's Day. What is the first recorded statement of Judas Iscariot in the Bible? And when did he make this statement? What's that? Why is this perfume wasted? Why this waste? When Mary anointed the feet of Jesus, Judas said, why this waste? We could have sold this, made lots of money, and taken care of the poor. Right? We'll read it sometimes today. That's correct. What is his last statement in the Bible? 
his last recorded statement. It's not there in my question. I have betrayed an innocent man. And he threw the money. Judah started with money. His first statement, the last statement, I've betrayed an innocent man, ended with money. Money is not all that it is built out to be. I want you to understand that, that in God's estimation, material things and wealth is not all that is termed to be. So keep that at the back of your mind. Great people in God's estimation are not necessarily people with lots of money. This, time, this came up this morning. And more of what came up this morning will come up in this message. So, how many times was Jesus Christ anointed with oil or perfume in the gospel? I did ask this question. I said, how many times was he anointed? And my daughter told me, anointed with what? So, I had to qualify it. So, all right. How many? Two. Two Two times. Two times. Our brother, Lord Wynn, I believe, told us the first time that he was anointed this morning. And the second incident is where we are going. So let's just put it up so that you will see. He was anointed in the home of Simon the Pharisee by a woman of... um, Shady character. And Simon said, this man is not a prophet. If he was a prophet, he would have known what kind of woman this guy is, or this lady is. And then Jesus began to talk about forgiveness. And then he was anointed in John chapter 12 by Mary. Again, in the home of Simon. Oh, the first one was Simon the Pharisee. This one of Simon the leper. All right. Good. I'm, going, I'm challenging your knowledge of the Bible. You need to read the Bible. This is Northbrook Bible Chapel. And we try to focus our minds and our hearts on the Bible as a compass. Uh, Brian Dillman told us, in a, told the kids that the Bible is the compass and also the map for life. So a believer named in all four gospels who won many souls. He was a witness with words, but never performed a miracle. Never once performed a miracle, but he won many souls with words. And it's mentioned in all Gospels. John the Baptist. All right. Next. Come on. A believer named in the Gospel of John who won many souls, a witness with words, but never performed a miracle. It's mentioned only in the Gospel of John. I'm, I'm sure if I was in your shoes, I would be scratching my head. So, so you're not alone thinking, you know, why is he asking me this? And what I find about Canadians is that they're afraid to make mistakes. Nigerians are not afraid to make mistakes. We make mistakes and then we move on. Yeah? The more they're possessed, the more they're possessed as well. 
The woman that? The woman, oh, you have a different, the woman? The woman where? The woman at the well, this is true. The woman of Samaria. The woman of Samaria. Come see the man that told me everything that I ever did. Is this not the Messiah? And the sound, everybody flocked to go and see Jesus Christ because she bore testimony to what he did to her. She never performed a miracle, but she declared the Messiah. And everybody came. Now, uh, the key word I want you to notice is witness. A believer named in the Gospel of John who won many souls but never said a word. We have no recorded word from this believer. Hmm? Lazarus. Lazarus. Lazarus, the man that was raised from the dead, from Jesus Christ. Because of him, many believed. And every believer sitting here has been raised from the dead. So our life is supposed to be a witness. People are supposed to see the way we live, the way we conduct ourselves, and be attracted to the Lord Jesus Christ. I believe that was read this morning as well in Ephesians chapter 2. And you who were dead, he made alive. So every believer sitting here has been raised from the dead, just like Lazarus. And not just that he raised us, he said he made us to sit in heavenly places with Christ. So our life is supposed to be a witness. The point I'm trying to make here is that we need to witness not just with our words, but with our life. When I'm at home with my children, and when a mother is at home with her ch children, the witness about the Lord Jesus Christ comes through both with words and our lives. And so, all right. Lazarus. Oh. The believer that will always be remembered wherever the gospel is preach. Only one person has this this uh, this this on the person. Mary. There are so many Marys. The one that wasn't named. The one that anointed Jesus' feet. The one that wasn't named. In Luke, yes, but Jesus did not say she will be remembered. But Jesus explicitly stated that this woman will always be remembered. The one that wasn't named was the one that I love much. Yes, love much. Or maybe Jesus said that. You check, look it up, and then I, I am always open to be corrected so that we are great Bible students. But Mary in particular, the Lord Jesus said, wherever the gospel is preached, should be remembered. Um, all right. This one. The believer who is... Not, noted for inspiring Jesus to declare I am the resurrection and the life. Martha. Now I'm trying to point out to you that the Lord Jesus Christ had a great deal of encounters with women. 
You know, because we live in an age where we are told that the Bible looks down on women. I've heard that from the kids in the Sunday school. And that's not correct. The Lord Jesus Christ had many great encounters with women and had many women followers and many women disciples. And sometimes part of what I hear is that if Northbrook or the Bible doesn't look down on women, how come women are not standing on the platform? Because we have elevated greatness to preaching on the platform as, as opposed to being witness in wherever the Lord put us. Okay, so we are on Mother's Day, so that's why there's a lot of ladies mentioned today as you can see. Some facts about the Bethany's family. So we need to talk about the Bethany's family. Some facts. So the family, at least one member of the family is mentioned in all four Gospels. The Gospel is a, the Bible is a, when, when God inspires things to be written in the Gospel, I, I like to think of it as he only wants to stress important things, even though many things happened. So the real estate is very small. So when, when names or events are mentioned, this, they, it's con- they are considered important because not every event that happened in the life of Jesus is recorded. But, you know, certain events are recorded. So this family is mentioned at least once in all four Gospels. Those are the references. And the family members were Martha, Mary, and Lazarus. They were siblings and they were believers, all of them. And they lived in the same house. They lived in Bethany, which is a town in Judea, two miles from Jerusalem, and they loved Jesus. They loved Jesus. Oh, how I pray that that will be said of me, that I love the Lord Jesus Christ. So they loved Jesus, and they opened their homes to Jesus many times. Jesus' base, or where he was based, was in Capernaum, which is Galilee, not in Jerusalem. This Bethany was very close to Jerusalem in Judea. And their brother Lazarus was sick. He died, was buried for four days, and Jesus raised him from the dead. Martha is known for her service or work to Jesus. And Mary is known for her devotion or worship to the Lord Jesus Christ. Of course, Lazarus is known for his witness. So WWW World Wide Web, witness, worship, work. Making Jesus preeminent. Making Jesus Christ number one. Those three elements must be present in your life on a continuous basis. Service or work, witness, and worship. All right, let's read the first mention of the family in the Bible. It's found in Luke chapter 10 from verse 38 to 42. As Jesus and the disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, they came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. Notice, Martha is, the home is described as Martha's home. Her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he taught. But Martha was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. She came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it it seem unfair to you that my sister 
just sits here while I do all the work. Tell her to come and help me. But the Lord said to her, my dear Martha, you are worried and upset over all these details. There is only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it. And it will not be taken away from her. So that's the first encounter with the family that Jesus had. Second mention of the Bethany family in the gospel. John chapter 11. A man named, so what I've done is that I've taken certain verses because it's, very, it's a very long passage and I don't want to read the entire passage. I want to just highlight. A man named Lazarus was sick. He lived in Bethany with his sisters. So we know they live together. Mary and Martha. This is the Mary who later poured the expensive perfume on the Lord's feet and wiped them with her hair. Her brother Lazarus was sick. So the two sisters sent a message to Jesus telling him, Lord, your dear friend is very sick. But when Jesus heard about it, he said, Lazarus' sickness will not end in death. No, no, it happened for the glory of God, so that the Son of God will receive glory for this. So although Jesus loved Martha, Mary and Lazarus, he stayed where he was for the next two days, Finally, he said to his disciples, let's go back to Judea. Verse 17. When he arrived at Bethany, he was told that Lazarus had already been in his grave for four days. Bethany was only a few miles down the road from Jerusalem. And many of the people had come to console Martha and Mary in their loss. When Martha got word that Jesus was coming, she went to him. But Mary stayed in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother will not have died. But even now, I know that God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus told her, your brother will rise again. Yes, Martha said, he will rise when everyone else rises at the last day. Jesus told her, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live, even after dying. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never, ever die. Do you believe this? Martha said, yes, Lord. She told him, I have always believed you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one who has come into the world from God. We skip to verse 32. Mary now. When Mary arrived and saw Jesus, notice there. She fell at his feet and said, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and saw the other people wailing with her, a deep anger welled up within him and he was deeply troubled. Where have you put him? He asked. They told him, Lord, come and see. Then Jesus wept. Jesus responded, didn't I tell you that you will see God's glory if you believe. So they rolled the stone aside. Verse 40, now we go. Then Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, thank you for hearing me. You always hear me, but I said it out loud for the sake of all these people standing here so that they will believe that you sent me. Then Jesus shouted, Lazarus, come out. 
And the dead man came out, his hands and feet bound in grave clothes, his face wrapped in a head cloth. Jesus told them, unwrap him and let him go. Many of the people who were with Mary believed in Jesus when they saw this happen. But some went to the Pharisees and told them what Jesus had done. Then the leading priests and the Pharisees called the high council together. Notice this. So notice this. They called the high council together. What are we going to do? They asked each other. This man certainly performed many miraculous signs. If we allow him to go on like this, soon everybody will believe in him. Then the Roman army will come and destroy both our temple and our nation. So from that time on, the Jewish leaders began to plot Jesus' death. All right. Third encounter, or third mention. John chapter 12, verses 1 to 11. Six days before the Passover celebration. So now he has met them the first time, second time, this is the second time, the third time. So this family is being mentioned in the gospel. Okay? There's more in Matthew and Mark of this account, but we're not going to read that. Six days before the Passover celebration began, Jesus arrived in Bethany. Now, this Passover was the last of Passover that Jesus was going to have before he's crucified. Okay? The home of Lazarus, the man he had raised from the dead, a dinner was prepared in Jesus' honor. Martha served. And Lazarus was among those who ate with him. Then Mary took a 12-ounce jar of expensive perfume made from essence of nerd, and she anointed Jesus' feet with it, wiping his feet with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance, but, notice, but Judas Iscariot, the disciple who will soon betray him, said, that perfume was worth a year's wages. The man understood the value of or the worth of that perfume. That's how we know it was worth a year's wages. Judas told us. It should have been sold and the money given to the poor. Not that he cared for the poor, he was a thief. And since he was in charge of the disciples' money, he often stole some for himself. Jesus replied, leave her alone. She did this in preparation for my burial. You will always have the poor among you but you will not always have me. When all the people heard of Jesus' arrival, they flocked to see him and also to see Lazarus, the man Jesus had raised from the dead. Then, notice, the leading priest decided to kill Lazarus too. For it was because of him that many of the people had deserted them and believed in Jesus. So his head was on the line because of the fact that people believed. So, so let's go with Lazarus made Jesus preeminent by his witness. Some facts, things we need to know about Lazarus. Can you see from there? Can you read from the back? Good. Oh, so it's mentioned by name in John's gospel. That's the only place that Lazarus is mentioned by name. 
He died and was buried for four days. We know this. Jesus raised him from the dead. Grave clothes were unwrapped from him and he was given new clothes. Sat at dinner's table with Jesus. Bore witness about Jesus. He was a walking miracle. Many people believed in Jesus because of Lazarus. No words of Lazarus are recorded in the gospel that we know of. And the religious leaders planned to kill him because of his witness. So in John we read, when all the people heard of Jesus' arrival, they flocked to see him and also to see Lazarus, the man Jesus had raised from the dead. Then the leading priest decided to kill Lazarus too, for it was because of him that many of the people deserted him. A few points. He died. Everybody born into the world is born dead. Lazarus is the perfect picture of the believer. Everyone, because we are dead in sin and trespass. Second point. Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. The Lord Jesus declared this in John chapter 5 verse 24, I believe. He that hears my word and believed in him that sent me has everlasting life and has passed and will never come into judgment but has passed from death to life. Every believer has been raised from death to life. So Lazarus is the picture of the believer. Grave clothes were unwrapped from him. You know, when Lazarus came out bound with his, you know, mouth tied, he wanted to, mm, they said, he said, lose him, take off the grave clothes and let him go, make him free. That's exactly what Jesus did. He gave us freedom. Freedom from sin, freedom from the bondage from the world, and so we have the ability to have new life. So we are free because of the Lord Jesus Christ. He sat at dinner table with Jesus. He raised us up and made us to sit in heavenly places with Christ. So Lazarus is the perfect picture of the believer. And if the believer walks in newness of life, his life will be a witness. I want to be able to win my kids to Christ without words, but with my life. By the way I conduct myself because I have Jesus Christ. I want to be able to let my co-workers come to the Lord, not necessarily with words, but the witness of my life because I am walking in newness of life. Lazarus was a witness, and he witnessed and brought many people to the Lord. Martha, you have to love PowerPoints. They're good. They allow the preacher to linger and delay a little bit, but not too far. So it doesn't mean I won't be late. I'm just giving you advance warning. I might be, but at least I won't go too far. So Martha made Jesus preeminent, if you like, by her work, service. Every time we meet this woman, she's always serving. 
She's mentioned in two Gospels. Luke and John. She welcomed Jesus to her home. She walked hard and serving meal twice, at least twice. The first time we read where she was serving meal, and then Mary was at the feet of Jesus taking in the words, and then Martha came to Jesus and said, Lord, don't you care that my sister is leaving me to serve alone? Tell her to come and help me. And then the second recorded one, in John chapter 12, we read, Martha served, and there was no complaint. And between the two services, or the two activities, is John chapter 11, where she spoke to Jesus Christ, and Jesus said, I'm the resurrection and the life. And they said, Lord, I've always believed. So Martha of Luke chapter 10, and Martha of Luke chapter 12, they are different. Even though, I don't know if Mary was serving in Luke chapter 12, or in John chapter 12, 12, the Bible is silent on this. But Martha served. And we had, no, we had no complaint. She served because she was serving the Lord. I want to challenge everyone that is sitting here. We have to make our life a life of service. I know mothers do this. Because they serve their children tirelessly at home. They put in lots of effort, lots of hours. And all of us can serve. And we make Jesus preeminent or preeminent by the service that we render. You can serve in various capacities and there is no service or work that is underneath you. We have the sense that the great workers are the doctors, the engineers, the great mind thinkers. No, no. The Lord Jesus was talking to... <coughs> James and John, when they came to him, they said, we know you are going to establish a kingdom and we want you to make us number one and number two in your kingdom. That's what they, they came to Jesus and said, Lord, we want you to do us a favor. When you set up this kingdom, James said, I will be on your right hand. John said, I will be on your left hand and both of us will be the prime minister and maybe chief of staff or whatever it is in your kingdom. And then the, Jesus said, you know that the rulers of this world, that's the way they, they, they act. But it shall not be so among you. Whoever wants to be great must serve. For the Son of Man did not come to be ministered to, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. And in another gospel way, a parable is being preached. Jesus makes such statements like, I was hungry, you gave me food. I was unclothed, but you gave me clothes. And then they say, Lord, to when did we do this? He said, for as much as you did it to one of these little ones, you did it for me. My point is this. The Lord wants us to employ our talent and be part of the action, not just bench warmers. So let's find a way to serve. Find a way to display the talent or use the gift that the Lord has given us. Mary. Mary made Jesus prominent by her worship or devotion. So I want to ask a question because this question has been asked downstairs. What is worship? I want a response. What is worship? What's that? 
ascribing value. Ascribing value. So is worship coming to church on Sunday morning? It could be. Not necessarily. Is worship, does worship only happen in church? When Jesus was speaking to the woman of Samaria, she said, we know the temple is in, you just said the temple is in Jerusalem where we, you worship, and we say it is on Mount Garrison, and Jesus said, believe me, woman, the hour is coming. We're neither in Jerusalem nor here. You worship, but God is a spirit, and those that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. And then Peter, and then Paul writes in, first, in Romans chapter 12, I said, I beseech you, brothers and sisters, to present your bodies as living sacrifice. I'd like to suggest to you that all of us are living, walking temples, if we are believers. So worship can happen anywhere and everywhere when we ascribe greatness to the Lord. Because we are temples that wherever we go, we are able to de you know, deploy, if you like, to worship God as long as it's in spirit and in truth. So some facts about Mary, we will soon finish. She's mentioned by name in the four Gospels. The account involves three visits. This is something I want you to note. She is always, always, wherever she's mentioned, she's always at the feet of Jesus. On all accounts, she's always there. First account, she sat at the feet of Jesus, listening to his word. Second account, when Mary arrived and saw Jesus, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if only you have been here, my brother would not have died. Third account, then Mary took a 12-ounce jar of expensive perfume made from essence of nard, and she anointed Jesus' feet with it. Wiping her, his feet with her hair, the house was filled with the fragrance. Always, whenever she's mentioned, she's at the feet of the Lord Jesus Christ. First account, she sat at his feet listening to his word. She found her blessing at his feet. The word of God brings blessing, and so we need to dig into it you know, and then ask the Spirit of God to help us. Second account. When Mary arrived and saw Jesus, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you have been here, my brother would not have died. She laid her burden at his feet. She laid her burden at his feet. She made it known to him. And third account. Then Mary took a 12-ounce jar of expensive perfume made from essence of nard, and she anointed Jesus' feet with it, wiping, it with his, wiping his feet with her hair. The house was filled with fragrance. She gave her best to the Lord Jesus. You know, somehow, sometimes we feel that God should get leftovers. There was a time when I used to speak or try to share, I don't spend as much time to study the word of God. Because I, and then when I'm going to teach in university, I spend a lot of time reading, making sure I understood. And it dawned on me, why should God get the leftover? The tired, when I'm tired and exhausted, that's what I give God. 
it should give, we should give our best to the Lord. Nothing done for the Lord is ever wasted. It's only when you have the mind of Judas that you think we are serving the Lord, why this waste? The Lord can use all skills. And so, challenging to parents here, my son should be a doctor because that's a great thing. Yes, nothing wrong with that, but can he be a doctor for the Lord? Oh, my son cannot be a missionary because his life will be wasted. There's something wrong with that. Because the Lord, we should give the Lord our best. I'm looking at the time. What she gave to Jesus was public. It was spontaneous. It was sacrificial. She lavished it on him. It was personal and she was unembarrassed and unashamed. Jesus called it good work in Matthew and Mark and commended her and defended her. A sacrifice was worth a year's wage. Judas made that clear, that that's how much he gave. Like David, Mary will not give the Lord that which will not cost her something. It was a beautiful act of worship. She gave her best. She took the place of a slave. And she even undid her hair. And in Jewish culture, the hair of the lady represents the glory. Paul tells us that in 1 Corinthians. So she laid her glory before the Lord Jesus Christ. Her act was a blessing to her, to the Lord, to the home that she was because the fragrance spread, and to the church as well. Of course, she was criticized for her devotion. When she was at his feet learning, the sister criticized her. When she poured the ointment on Jesus, Judas was there to criticize her. Why this waste? He asked. We need to realize that nothing done for the Lord is ever wasted. It's a great investment. And sometimes it means taking care of difficult situations. Sometimes it means taking care of children. We have this idea that the engineer that works in the office is great. The mother that looks after the children is wasted. No, no. Nothing done for the Lord is ever wasted. Some lessons. Wrapping up. Probably thought I'm going to go all afternoon and won't finish. I am finishing. A believer should make Jesus preeminent by his witness. Dead in sin, made alive, we are in Jesus Christ, seated with Christ, and so we should walk in newness of life. Our life should be a reflection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Our life should be a reflection of the Lord Jesus Christ. A believer should make Jesus preeminent, if you like, by his or her work. That's important. So service is what the Lord expects, you know, and we should participate in service. Mothers do this with their children. And a believer should make Jesus preeminent by his or her worship. We are living, moving temples. We can worship God everywhere. Everywhere. 
in our home. In fact, that's where we spend most of our time. That's where the place where we can worship God. So we should worship God. And finally, the Christian life. I put church there a little bit just to make you feel good. But home is actually the place where the life is lived. Because church is what? Three hours, four hours on Sunday and Thursday and uh, one hour on Thursday, one hour. I mean, our church. That's it. The remaining 24 hours is home with my wife, with my children, with my siblings. That's where I need to make Jesus prominent by my witness, by my work, and by my devotion, my worship. So, the Christian life should be a balanced mix of all of these things. So the question to you is this as we wrap up. How is your daily Christian life? That's the question. And in wrapping up, remember, only one life to soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Like Paul of all, I pray that this will be our desire and our prayer for me Living means living for Jesus Christ. And I want to say a big thank you to all the mothers. You do a, a great job, a great job, a great job. Uh, I was thanking my wife and my, and, my, and my daughter yesterday. I said, God has blessed me with special women in my life. I feel like Lazarus. You know, my wife and my daughter he had two siblings, two sisters, but my, my wife and my daughter, and they have been tremendous blessing to me. So the flexibility, the time, all the things, because when I write my notes or want to preach, my wife goes through it and then looks at it and says, that spelling is not correct. English is not my first language. The BBO is, if you want to learn the BBO, you can come to me. Then she will help me do all of that. So that at least she minimizes the mistakes and all of that and blessings in so many other ways. So I want to say a big thank you to all the mothers for the work that you do. God is not unjust to forget your labor of love. So and I want to encourage you to keep at it. Happy Mother's Day. Let's pray. And so Lord, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for Jesus Christ. Is the only one worth living for. Is the only purpose that is worth having. I pray that you will grant us the grace to make him preeminent in our lives. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.